Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Pitcher Bet Sports Podcast, episode number 79. On today's podcast, we have a loaded end of the NFL season recap. First, we got to talk about the national championship. We're recording this about 30 minutes after Georgia just defeated Alabama to win their first title since the 80s. And then we got to talk about our pitcher bet from this past week and our last one of the regular season and some of the big headlines from week 18. As well as today, we're recording this on Monday, January 10th. It's Black Monday. We had some coaches get fired, some that absolutely deserved it, as well as, you know, probably the biggest surprise firing of the season with Brian Flores in Miami. And then Matt and I are going to recap the season that was in the NFL. We have our favorite moments, some of our most memorable moments, biggest disappointments, biggest surprise, and something fun that we've been talking about off camera that we want to share with you. What should the punishment be for the last place team in the NFL? But first, you know what time it is. We're going to run the music first. We'll see you on the other side. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Pitcher Bet Sports Podcast. I am your host, Matt Guest. With me out in Sin City, Playoff City, Las Vegas, Nevada, is Matt Morris, <laughs> dude. Are, what were the bars buzzing Sunday night when you thought it might be a little slow of a night? How was it out there? Oh, the bars were slow, dude. I mean, people were at the game, you know? Like, there were so many people I talked to you through last week that were going to the game. You had people on Saturday night sitting at my bar being like, awesome. I don't know if I should go. Should I go? And I'm like, what do you mean, should you go? You're here. Also, you're a Raiders fan? Yes. Right. Well, duh. It's the biggest game you've had in 15 years, possibly. Um, but yeah, what a game, man. Um, yeah, I think this might have been one of the most memorable games in my mind in a long time. We'll get to that in a little bit here. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, it's funny someone even, you know, asked you that because it's like, dude, this is the biggest game in Vegas sports history, honestly. Like the Golden Knights, don't get me wrong. I know they bleed the Golden Knights out there um, in Vegas, but, you know, they've been waiting for a football team for 20 years, basically almost our entire lives. And uh, this was their first moment to make the playoffs, have a home game for the Raiders. And uh, the black hole showed out. It, it looked awesome. It was a it was a really good recap or cap on the entire NFL season. Perfect way to end it with two <laughs> mediocre teams fighting for a playoff spot and almost tying. But you're right, dude. We'll we'll get to it in a second. Um, but first. Did you watch the game tonight? What were your thoughts, man? Um, it was an awesome national championship game for two guys from the West Coast that, like, obviously don't give a shit about Bama or Georgia, but it was a great game. What, what were your thoughts on the game? Yeah, I mean, I have one very particular thought. Um, I'm never watching college football ever again, <laughs> honestly. Why? Uh, to, to, to put it on cable television is a slap in the face to the entire country. To have this only broadcast on ESPN is completely disrespectful to the entire country. <laughs> and I'm serious. Like I said, when I checked the Crazy, local listings, dude. I said, I'm, I'm done. Like you're going to put the biggest game where kids are not paid to be athletes on a cable broadcasted network. Are you fucking kidding me? Completely unacceptable. Good job for Georgia, but 
again why why is this on espn you know the world <laughs> series you know the nba finals everything has been bought up by espn recently and i just think it's it's completely untraditional of what college football is you know i remember as a kid watching games because it was on abc sure espn owns abc and disney owns them but to not allow some of the families of these kids to watch the game because heaven forbid, you know, everyone in this country cannot afford cable. You know, I choose not to have cable because the only channel I would watch would be ESPN. But I just found that very disrespectful. Um, and honestly, I, I don't think I'll be watching any more college football for that simple reason. Valid, you know, I, I feel you. I, I, valid concern there. For me, uh, my, my big takeaway was once again, we talked about this uh, coming into the college football semifinals a couple weeks ago is a stop fucking judging these kids for sitting out or playing and don't make a kid who plays better than a kid who doesn't play because once again we had a devastating injury to a first round draft pick in the national championship game jameson williams uh either the best or top three easily receiver in the nfl draft this year hopefully didn't tear his acl it looked horrible on live tv i was devastated for the kid and that dickhead kirk herbstreet's calling the game and doesn't say anything about it doesn't mention his fucked up comments about kids don't love the game anymore and this is a reason why kids are sitting out just you know says his typical you know suit up politician answer of oh i hope he did it's not serious like it's good to see him walking off dude this is exactly why kids don't play and you're just gonna you know gloss over the fact that this is this kid might have lost millions of dollars i'm hoping he is and he's very good where i think he'd still even if it is an acl go first round but that's exactly the point but i think the bigger thing and my other takeaway from the game tonight was the two best teams were playing in the national championship no disrespect to michigan cincinnati utah ohio state uh oklahoma state i think was the other good team and notre dame they're trash we all know that but like for the people who are on their high horse and just kind of preaching like hey we need this eight team playoff Think about what you just watched tonight. Yeah, and I'm with you guys. I don't want Bama. I don't want Georgia. But if you want to give the crown to the two best teams or the best team in football, those are the two teams, right? And what do you get when you expand and take away the two best teams? You get two shitty semifinal games. Cincinnati put up a fight for a little bit, but let's be real, that wasn't a real game. It wasn't. They, Bama blew them out. And then we don't really need to talk about the Michigan-Georgia game. That game was over <laughs> halfway through the first quarter. So before we start getting crazy that we need to expand to eight games and all this stuff, let's observe the past couple national championships. And I think you can honestly say the right teams got there. There's a couple good semifinal games throughout the history of the playoff. But more often than not, teams are getting blown out. And Alabama's playing another SEC team or they're playing Ohio State or they're playing Clemson because sadly at the end of the day, they're on a whole nother level than the other team. So take that into account before we ask for an eight, a 16 team playoff because it could get ugly. It could get boring and it's going to take away from the value of games like the Rose Bowl. Well, on top of that, this isn't the NCAA tournament for men's basketball. You know, the opportunity for one of these big dogs to actually go down in an 18 playoff is almost impossible because they right. are hands down better than everyone else. And you said that we saw that against Michigan and we saw that against Cincinnati, two very good teams in their conferences all season. They really did put a beat down on some of the teams themselves, but you go up against one of the big dogs in college football 
you lose. And, and, and it's just, it is what it is. We have an issue with these large schools having unbelievable recruitment. And until more of the balance comes to the NCAA, it's, you're not going to see anything different until you yep. start putting caps on, you know, four and five star athletes, which is ultimately up to the recruiting websites and, and the scouts themselves too. Things aren't going to change. So Bama, as we know now, after this game, they are the odds on favorite next year to <laughs> right. win the national championship. Shocker. Right. I mean, who else would there be? So good job for Georgia, though. I think it is fun for the college landscape 100%. to see someone other than Bama, other than LSU, take that crown. Georgia has been building a program for 10 years now, you know, kind of trying to fight for, I think, just one title, right? We're able to get it done over the last couple of years to get it done this year kind of vindicates that program. Um, and definitely, I think we'll see them around probably for the next five years, because anytime you win a national championship, it helps your next recruiting class. Moving on to the NFL Week 18. So if this is your first time, welcome to the pod. Matt and I do a Pitcher Bet, Pitcher Bet Sports podcast. We bet a pitcher on all the games against the spread throughout the weekend. We've done it all 18 weeks. Coming into the weekend, me, Matt Guest, I was 9-5-3. and three. Um, As we <laughs> told our, you know, the loyal listeners of the pod, don't really bet too much last weekend, and my record showed that. I had my worst record against the spread um, all season as we record. So you beat me and now I sent you the Venmo and now we are nine. I'm nine, six and three on the season. So you are right there. Let's just dive right into the week 18 headlines, starting with the Pittsburgh Steelers made the fucking playoffs, dude. They beat Baltimore. The second game we'll get to is Indianapolis losing to Jacksonville. But my question for you, Matt, is... This is it for Big Ben. Everybody knows it. Love him or hate him. He is a legend and a first ballot Hall of Famer, right? It's not really much of an argument. So with that being said, do the Steelers, do the boys in Pittsburgh go on a run that they don't deserve on just because they might have a little magic left in number seven? Absolutely not. No chance. <laughs> no chance in hell. Because they 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 didn't have any momentum. They had no desire to win that game against the Ravens. First half, it looked like both teams were trying to lose. You know, Watts out there trying to get his sack. And then late in the fourth quarter into overtime, I think the news broke that, holy shit, the Colts lost. We've right. got to play hard, right? They're because losing. we might have a chance. Yeah. And it looked like, oh, God, like we actually have to play football now. Um, no, they're going to go up against the Chiefs. They're going to get absolutely massacred. It's going to be, you know, it's going to be Ben's last game. And honestly, sure. I wouldn't be surprised to see Ben just not give up, but kind of def defeated and deflated at the end of that game. Because I do, I think the Chiefs are going to win 42 to 16, <laughs> 12. It's going to sure. be really bad. Ben just doesn't, he doesn't have it. You know, he had a couple really nice throws on Sunday. I was, I was impressed on that, that final drive, but he had some really bad ones too. Yeah, well, and that's where, that's where I was going to go is I think if by some miracle they can force, you know, three to four turnovers on Kansas City this weekend because that's what it's going to take. Um, dude, Ben made really good throws down the stretch. He made really bad throws for three and a half quarters because I watched the whole game. But when he needed to make a couple throws, he still had it in the tank. And I think I have a weird feeling somehow that that defense is just going to force turnovers on Kansas City and keep it close and i mean if ben has the ball with an opportunity to win even in his old age like he still has that magic left but i agree with you i don't think they're necessarily going to beat kansas city but 
big surprise, kind of like I I'm not a Steeler fan at all. I uh, genuinely don't like them, but kind of nice to see them make the playoffs. And if they beat Kansas City, dude, I, I might pick the I might throw a bet for them to win the Super Bowl or at least get there because if they have no business winning this weekend, they're twelve and a half point dogs at the moment, dude. I was just gonna say if I were to put a number on it, it would probably be twelve and a half. 12. When I checked this um, morning, it was twelve and a half. Yeah. Yeah, they don't they don't stand a chance. And honestly, I remember Breeze in his final you know final few games, obviously, and Ben looks far worse, far worse. Sure. And um, I I just just I think this is what every quarterback fears getting to the end of their career. But I mean, think about it. He had the elbow issue, which may have been Tommy John surgery. You know, something pretty significant going on. To even see him throw the ball moderately well like he did at the end of the game is surprising to me but he looks old out there his body doesn't move the same and oh man it's just i thought i thought last weekend would have been a nice send-off for him you know and they found a way in they got lucky yeah i mean finding a way in let's let's be honest it's because of the freaking indianapolis colts right (laughs) i don't think anyone in their right mind had the colts losing the game you know maybe not covering the 15 right we went back and forth on the pod talking about it but for them to come out and put a performance like that up on the field i know they gave frank Wright an extension i know he right excuse me i know they had a good season but for me that's a fireable offense dude like that that's that, that's it's on Wentz, and we'll get to him here in two seconds but it's on Wentz, but it's on the team dude you can't come out and stop jacksonville you can't force a couple turnovers make a big play you got dominated on the offensive and defensive line for literally fourth four quarters in a must win game against the worst team in football i think that's a fireable offense matt well, we talked about this a little bit off the pod. In my opinion, Jacksonville is definitely not the worst team in football. Um, and I think they have a decent amount of talent on that team. And on the last podcast, I even said to you, I wouldn't be surprised for the Colts to lose because of Carson Wentz. This isn't me. I'm <laughs> you right. Didn't say that. This yeah. is on Carson Wentz because he's fucking terrible. He's awful. And the fact that they lost a first and a third round pick for this piece of shit who probably shouldn't even be a backup now. Honestly, I wouldn't want him as a backup. I would rather take Seneca Wallace, my boy that I've talked about multiple times (laughs) over Carson Wentz, because Carson Wentz cannot make the throw when necessary, right? Boxes stacked. Jonathan Taylor didn't have a good game. But in regards to Jacksonville, they've got the weight off their shoulders. Urban Meyer has been gone for a few weeks now, right? They've started to rebuild that culture, rebuild that team. You have the clowns in the stands, right? Those players were out there trying to play for something bigger than the actual win itself. And honestly, you know, we've seen some teams over the past few years go into Jacksonville and lose. We've also seen the Colts lose to Jacksonville numerous times over the last, I think, seven appearances. This, to me, is on Carson Wentz. Um, And I I think, ultimately, when you have a team together and they know what their biggest weakness is, this could lead to Carson Wentz either being cut or traded this offseason. You know, Matt, speaking of bad teams, I don't know if Detroit's a bad team anymore. We tweeted it out over the weekend as we were texting, uh, watching football. <laughs> Is I think Detroit's the best three-win team of all time, honestly. <laughs> um, they were one of the best teams against the spread. I think they finished with 11 wins against the spread on the season. Obviously, that's because the bookmakers um, made it seem like they were going to get blown out when they're a lot better team than they were. They lost a lot of close games, man. You know, they lost a lot of games by one touchdown. And that's not even really the moral of the story. I think Dan Campbell was the right fit and the right hire for Detroit. And notice that, and we're going to get to the coaches here in a second, but 
make sure that you're actually taking that into account as a GM, as an owner, that someone's going to have the right mentality. It's not easy coaching the Lions, right? Even with Aaron Rodgers there or not there, the Lions are always the shithole of the NFL, right? And the heart that they played with, the trick plays, the fake punts, they, they beat the shit out of the Packers. You know, the Packers were kind of lollygagging out there, wanted to get their incentives, wanted to get their money. They looked fine, a little tune-up. But I love Detroit, man. My question for you is, do they go 500 and, you know, maybe take second next year in the NFC North? Do you think they have that potential? You know, I really actually do. Um, during the broadcast this past weekend, you know, the analysts went through the entire roster. And when you actually add some of the pieces that they have up, you start to really realize what they've been building. You know, they've got a all-pro center. They've got a great left tackle in Tyler Decker. They have a right uh, tackle in Penesol. No, you've got three offensive linemen that could technically be pro bowlers or all pros. That's a great start, right? No doubt. You've got Swift and you've got Williams in the backfield. What do we talk about a lot? Running the football, change of pace. Okay, check mark, right? You've got your slot receiver who can catch 8 to 11 balls a game and get you first downs in Amon Ross St. Brown. Okay, check. You've got a defense that is playing hard and definitely needs some pieces interjected in there to start rushing the quarterback more. That's fine. You can find that in free agency. You can find that in the draft. They're going to need to work on some cornerbacks with the kid from Ohio State having his Achilles torn. But in regards to that team, you've also got an all-pro all tight end. This is a good team. Sure. This is a team I actually think Jared Goff could lead to 500. Now, Goff is going to have to be replaced at some point. If this team wants to make a Super Bowl run in the next five years, Goff is going to have to leave. But what I see from everything on this team is a team that absolutely plays hard for their coach, has built a foundation, and has the pieces to move forward. I think right now, as it stands in that division, I would rather take the Lions job than, than the Vikings or the Bears because these kids are playing hard, and I've got a lot of pieces to play with. Um, speaking of a team that has definitely built their foundation, has an identity, um, the LA Rams, they, they blew it against <laughs> the, uh, the Niners this past weekend. Two points from the game here is one, and we've been banging the drum for a while here. So if you're new to the podcast, welcome to the drum banging that Matt Stafford's <laughs> a goddamn liability, right? It's, it's inexcusable at this point. And I still get texts and messages from my buddies who are, are diehard Rams fans. I'm from, I grew up in Southern California. So I got a lot of buddies uh, who root for the LA teams. And it's just, this guy is not winning you games. Like I can't wait. And we'll get to our preview for the playoffs next episode. I can't wait to see him play in this pressure packed game. He single handedly again, lost the game for the Rams to atrocious interceptions. Cut played well. But the drives that they had points and had consistency ran through cup. If you take away 10, Stafford is throwing to the other team. I will say it every goddamn week until it gets into your guys' head. He's not that good. He's not an MVP. He's not a good leader. And until he proves me otherwise and wins a bunch of playoff games, I'm not changing my opinion. Well, and it's not like he has a head coach that should have a job anymore. What did we say last <laughs> podcast? Sean McVay you. loses this game. Probably time to go. And, I, and I'll say it again. McVay couldn't he yeah. couldn't adjust second half. And yeah, Stafford threw some picks. Matt, that you hurt see his him play jumping gone. around in the end zone after they had that huge lead, dude? Like, they're fired up. Again, though, he got out coached, you know. And yeah. I think to kind of dating back to we talked about with the Lions when it comes to culture and, you know, effort on the field. What did we see from San Francisco all game long? 
constant, constant effort. And whether it was Kittle laying down blocks, whether it was Samuel playing five different positions, Mitchell running Stud. with his head down, absolutely fighting for every single yard. The kid Jennings. Jenkins, Jennings, excuse me, Jennings, yeah, fifteen out there, you know, proving his worth. Like, what did we not see from the Rams? Consistent effort, right? What did we not see from McVeigh? Okay, I've got a quarterback that's prone to throwing interceptions and might be a liability at the end of the year for me. Let me get the running game involved all game long. I put this on McVeigh. I, I just think it's an absolute joke that he's still considered one of the elite coaches at, in the NFL. He's being beaten week in, week out by the guys that were underneath him at, at times. LaFleur beat him, right? Shanahan, kind of the same, same age group beat him he is going to lose this coming week and i hope he gets fired for it <laughs> i don't think he's gonna get fired but um, no he won't because they're incompetent in the office over there so we're recording here january 10th the first monday after the nfl regular season ends aka black monday the day where coaches go to lose their job, right? <laughs> so we had three firings today. Two of them warranted, one of them just absolutely mind-boggling. So let's start there. So I wake up this morning getting ready for work, you know, and I see that fucking Brian Flores gets fired by the Miami Dolphins. The Dolphins, by the way, beat the Patriots this past weekend, won eight of nine games, were over 500 for the second year in a row after a long, long time of being you know, mediocre or really bad. And they had a, let's be honest, bottom half quarterback, quarterback in their team. As we talked about on the pod, one of the things we loved about the Dolphins this year and wanted to kind of stop the Dolphins slander was they found their identity. And a reason you find your identity and learn how to win is because you're head coach. Come to find out, Matt, that, you know, I was watching TV today, watching sports talk, just kind of researching what happened. Come to find out that the GM and Tua were at their butting heads with, with Flores. So that makes a lot of sense, right? Flores was all in on the Deshaun Watson. It seems to be that Flores obviously didn't want to draft Tua. And we can assume he wanted Herbert. We don't know that for sure. Obviously, they get Tua. Herbert is way better. Let's just be honest. And the GM is married to Tua because he's the one who made the pick. GM goes ahead, fires Flores today, is riding with Tua. And I think this is going to be the making of a Jim Caldwell situation in Detroit. I think this move is going to set back the Miami Dolphins for another five to possibly eight seasons. I don't know who they could possibly bring in there to help mold and make Tua a better quarterback than he is because I think we saw the absolute peak of success that he could possibly have in the NFL this year. And it sounds like and looks like that they're going to go down with the ship that is Tua Tungavailoa. And at the end of the day, he's just not a top 15, top half quarterback, and you're never going to win anything. I actually disagree. And I think this is, I think this is the right move for the team. Um, and, I, and I ultimately don't think Flores leaves Florida. I've talked about Doug Peterson being a good fit in Jacksonville. I think Doug Peterson is a better fit in Miami. And I think Flores, as you talked about, building culture is a fantastic fit in Jacksonville. I mm. think if the Jags go out and they, they hire Flores, who the Jags need a defensive identity. They've got a young quarterback, a young quarterback, very similar to Justin Herbert, right? Skill set, ability. Um, but Doug Peterson proved in Philly he can mold quarterbacks. He's been a quarterback yep. backup to Brett Favre for what was it, 
12 years. A long time, yeah. If there's a single coach out there right now that has NFL experience, which Peterson has won a Super Bowl, I think he could come into Miami as long as he commits to Tua. I think Tua's frustration probably is simple. You're having me throw seven to eight yard ins, outs, slants. You know, that If you look back at Tua's college tape, he could throw the ball 40 yards downfield. I think Flores wanted to mitigate the mistakes that Tua was making. And as you said, Flores never wanted Tua. He wanted everybody but Tua. He can't have a head coach operating an offense, operating a team when he's not bought in. You know, And Flores, heaven forbid, he should not, not have a job this coming year. He should be immediately hired within the next couple of weeks. And I really hope he goes to Jacksonville because... I think he would be a perfect fit there. And honestly, the other jobs that are out there, you don't have a lot of young quarterbacks available other than Fields in Chicago, sure. which would also be a really good hire as well. Sure. Yeah, no, I, I think he's uh, no doubt the number one candidate out there mm -hmm. right now. Um, something to monitor is like if, if teams are, someone's going to hire like a fucking Bill O'Brien, you know? Yeah. And, and no disrespect to Bill O'Brien, he's a solid coach, but you're going to see these guys who have had five, six, seven chances in the league get another one that it's going to be the same old song and dance. And you, you were leading me right to the next two teams, Vikings and the Bears, both hired their, or excuse me, fired their coaches today. Bears was, you know, inevitable. And then towards the end of the year, so was Mike Zimmer leaving. Mm hmm the Vikings just with his tone and attitude. Um, if I'm the Chicago bears and I don't hire Flores, another fireable offense, right? The ownership yep. there will be fucking up again. If you're not flying to his home today to say, come coach Justin Fields in this team, I said on the last podcast, I still believe they're a coach away. I think their team's that good. I think their roster is good enough to be in the playoffs. They need a culture. They need a team. Vikings, also, a very, very good job. Say what you want about Kirk Cousins. He's top 10. Like, say what you want. He will win you games. We talked about this. There are three elite quarterbacks, and everything else is a crapshoot. So, like, Kirk Cousins is up there. They have a top-tier defense. They need to fill a couple holes. And they have arguably the best wide receiver duo in the NFL, right? It's up there. Like, I don't think they are, but you can make the argument for Jefferson and Thielen. And you have Dalvin Cook. Both great jobs. What do you think? Who Who's going to come in and compete in the North with Rodgers? Well, that's funny. You talked about Deshaun Watson, and you also talked about Bill O'Brien. I don't know if their relationship is salvageable. I don't know if they're on speaking terms. You know, the, the, the Andre Hopkins trade probably was a nail in the coffin for everything. You would that think. You, you would, would think. think that wouldn't even warrant him getting hired in Correct. fucking professional football again. I don't Correct. even care if it wasn't his call. I just don't see as an owner of a team of a billion dollar company that you could go forward with a guy like that. Correct. Um, but the reason I bring up Deshaun Watson and Bill O'Brien is because you said absolutely perfectly guys like him just maybe in five years, you know, but Jim Caldwell, again, is floating around on the free agent market. Jim bro. Caldwell deserves a job. But again, back to Deshaun Watson. If I'm the Minnesota Vikings, I'm all in. I got an aging defense. I've got an aging running back, you know, Cook's young, but in a couple of years, yeah, he won't be. Yeah, he yeah. won't be. He's two years away. Absolutely. Let's be honest. Maybe two first-round picks, you know, a couple second-round picks. It's your window right now. Aaron Rodgers is getting older. We don't know if Aaron Rodgers is going to be in this division, right? A lot of question marks. This is the time to crush your coaching decision and go out and get to Sean Watson because the window is now. What, the Bears, the Lions, and maybe an Aaron rodgers -less Packers? Like, you've got Barr out there still. You've still got Hunter. You've got Cooks. You've got Thielen still. Like, now is the time to commit. So I think the Vikings, wherever they talk about with their coachings, their coaching hiring here is, is that concept.
that we are committing sure. over the next couple of years. We will do what is ever necessary because I think this means the Dolphins are probably out on Watson. And everything we've heard is that the, uh, the Dolphins were the number one team to get Watson outside of maybe the Panthers. Yeah. Why would he want to go to the Panthers as opposed to the Vikings? And I don't see the Bears making a move there, but I think as of right now, it sits number one job probably in the entire NFL. It's got to be that Chicago job. Good defense, as you have mentioned in past podcasts. You know, second-year quarterback with a lot of proven talent. Flores, Peterson, those are my top two coaching candidates. If they don't hire one of them, it's a massive, massive mistake. first thing we want to go over here is matt and i were talking about this this is going to be good so if you watch soccer which we don't but i play fifa um if you're <laughs> if you're in the premier league or one of these good leagues or if you watch ted lasso there you go um and you're the worst team in the premier league you get delegated down to a lower division so the game we are playing is and i'm gonna let matt go first if you get last in the NFL, what should be the punishment? Because shit's got to change. Yeah, I mean, before we started recording today, I was a little aggressive. Um, we had kind of talked about <laughs> this, and I said, fire everyone. You know, VP of operations, fire the owner, fire the coach, the general manager, fire the towel boy. I'm going to scale back a little bit on that. Um, I think the punishment should be fire the head coach. You know, mandatory coaching change. The assistants can stay, the GMs can stay, all everyone can stay. But the G, the coach at the end of the day is the one responsible for putting his team in a position to succeed. We saw that from Dan Campbell, right? Yep. What did the Lions come out and do on Sunday? They came out and they played extremely hard. And credit to them, credit to the coaching staff. But if you're the last in the league, what are you going to do every single week from week one to week 18? You're going to push your guys to play harder. You're going to build a foundation. You're going to continue to build. And if a team happens to finish, you know, five and 12 and they're the worst team in the league, well, you know, hey, it's unfortunately for you, you were the worst and you have to go. That would be my circumvent for causing teams to tank as well as to continue to keep each team in a competitive balance. Sure. Yeah, mine is going to go to the good old NBA philosophy of a lottery, whether it's the bottom 10 or the bottom half, the bottom 16 teams in the NFL, we will have just like the NBA does. They'll do a draft lottery. You will go put your name in a hat. The teams that are the worst will have the highest percentage, but I think it will incentivize just like it's shown to work decent for the NBA that just because you're the worst team doesn't guarantee you get the best player, right? Just like the tank for Tua, the Trevor Lawrence tanking that we've seen over the past couple of years goes out the window, just like what you said, similar example, gives a more competitive advantage. And rather than the last quarter of the season, teams like the Giants literally laying down to not get a better draft pick, or to get a better draft pick, excuse me, that eliminates it because now it's not guaranteed just because I'm the third worst team, fourth worst team, I get that pick. You might end up at 16. That's what I think should happen. I think that should happen like very realistically. Um, so mine, is, I'm going to pair this up. We've got um, kind of biggest moment as well. My team is the Chargers. Biggest disappointment in preseason. I had picked them to have a poor season halfway through the year. I'm looking like an idiot. I was wrong. They did not go 0-6 as I had predicted, um, but they became the Chargers. And I got off work late enough last night to actually catch the final few minutes of the game. And for the fact that the Chargers even came back to tie that game was remarkable in my opinion, because when I walked out of work, it was 29-14. I think in my opinion, Chargers have lost this game. 
to watch Staley call that timeout. And, you know, I've watched football long enough to realize what that means on the opposing sidelines. Does it ultimately put doubt in the Raiders' mind that, hey, maybe the Chargers are going to try to win this game? Biggest moment for me was that right there. It was a fireable offense. And honestly, if me and you owned a business, Matt, we'd be firing a lot of people. We'd be in deep trouble. But Staley completely cost his team the entire season. It was basically a wash because in that moment, it was going to be a tie. And I will yeah. remember that call probably for the next 10 years because I was in absolute shock. But to, for the Chargers not to make the playoffs with that roster is my biggest surprise. You've got all pros, not just pro bowlers, but all pros. Derwin James, Bosa, Herbert has absolutely come out and proven he's a star. You've got Eckler. You've got two wide receivers that can be pro bowlers. You've got a left tackle and Slayer that you took this past year that might be one of the best rookie tackles of all time. It's an absolute dis- disappointment. 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 Yeah, no, for sure. That was... Uh that was the most shocking thing I've seen in a long time. You call a timeout to stop the run, and they run for fifteen on the next. I was <laughs> I was hot on Twitter last night. I just I, I don't get how that I don't get how that's okay. You play in yeah. L.A. You need to do everything you can to compete with the Rams, and you fucking fold like that. No, I totally agree with you. It was it was unbelievable. I think I, I'm shocked he's still on the team, like or still the coach of the team. But that's just the classic Chargers, you know. They fire Schottenheimer well, after they lose a game against the Patriots that they should have won, but they'll hold on to the guy that fucking goes for it on his own 19 in the second quarter and gives up three free points. Like that's just absolute bullshit. My biggest disappointment on the season. Um, I went back and forth between a couple teams, but it has to be the Colts. I think it's the obvious choice after last weekend. Um, they have a they have a top ten roster in football, you know what? And the quarterback means everything. And I'm I'm still not ready to put this all on Carson Wentz. I know I think he had a QBR of four point four or some bullshit this past weekend, but at the end of the day, you don't go from going on that absolute heater of a run that massive game against new England to put yourselves back on the map to put yourself into this uh, opportunity to lose that game to Jacksonville. And then not only to lose, to get blown out and embarrassed. That's the biggest disappointment of the season. I picked, you know, you and I both last episode picked like our two sleeper teams. You picked the Colts. I picked the chargers. The two teams we're talking about right now. (laughs) Yeah. But like, it's just like, if you're realistically looking at these teams, the Colts smashed Buffalo. They smashed the Patriots, right? They could probably play Kansas city tough, but you go to Jacksonville and you can't show up. Once again, we probably would not run that successful of a business, but I'm questioning my head coach's job. How are the boys not up for that game? It is a win and in against the team that literally has the number one pick in the draft. That's it's it's inexcusable, Matt. It's inexcusable. You know, so my dis, my biggest disappointment. Um, um, who's your biggest surprise team this year, Matt? There's the Bengals. Um, even if it was pretty kind of easy for me now that I really look back on it. In draft series, during the draft, we really wanted Penny Sol there. Um, you know, Big we time. were so concerned about Burrow's knee and coming back. And when, personally, I was just flat out wrong. You know, like this team performed way above my expectations this season. I didn't expect them to have a foundation. I didn't expect them to have a defense. I didn't expect Mixon to play as well as he did. And now you're looking at this team with three bona fide wide receivers. You're looking at it with a tight end who can go for 100 yards any game. And you got a great running game. And the offensive line is held up okay. And the defense has an identity. I'm, I'm utterly shocked. I expected this Bengals team to be, you know, four, or five, six win wins. Four, four games. Yeah, um, with Zach I, Taylor just, too. Zach Taylor never won more than four games ever before this mm-hmm. season too. So, 
Well, we weren't sold on him, right? We were thinking, you know, maybe he was the wrong hire. Maybe he's too young. Maybe he was just a name that was put into the classification. And now I'm starting to look at it like, hey, you know, Taylor, LaFleur, like some of these younger guys that come in can perform. For sure. It obviously helps when you have a good quarterback. But in comparison, I still think the Chargers roster is better than the Bengals. And the Bengals are here. They've won the games they needed to, right? Maybe easier division too. But at the end of the day, Taylor got his team ready to win. And they came out with all backups this past week. And uh, was they still able to cover? Um, very impressed by the Bengals this season. Yeah, me too. And I mean, w- with what your statement, like you can't, at the end of the day, you can't just say, oh, they didn't be good. Like the Chiefs game was everything I needed to see. I think both of mm-hmm. us needed to see. We both were, you know what, they look good. They beat Baltimore, mm, right? But at the end of the day, that that game, that solidified everything that I needed to see that they're not only a playoff team, but a team like they, they have a legitimate shot at making a championship run if they stay, well, and stay healthy. It's just the truth. To the Penny Swole draft pick, right? Like we talked last week, like when you have Burrow and Chase going, you could win every single week. Rodgers right. and Adams, right? When you have one and two on your team and you can link up with him at any time, there's very few teams that, you know, are guaranteed losses. Like we're not looking at them and, and possibly playing the Chiefs in the playoffs and being like, well, they stand no chance. No, with Burrow and Chase, they always, always have a chance. Yep. And I think that's exactly why they drafted Chase and made that decision, right? Like it, it came down to these guys can win us football games together. Yep. And talk about the culture we've been talking about all episode with Dan Campbell, mm-hmm. right? Like they, they asked Joe and Joe said, I want my buddy. I want my connection. And um, mm-hmm. that's obviously paying dividends. My biggest surprise team um, I don't think uh, the Bengals a great choice. I, I don't disagree with that as being a candidate. I think for me, the biggest surprise team, and it's not close, is the Oakland, well, <laughs> the Las Vegas, your Las <laughs> Vegas Raiders, dude. I don't, I don't think it's close. Um, John Gruden, Henry Ruggs, within the, the three weeks time span, um, they go on like a five or six game losing streak. They come out somehow win their last three games, right? They go to Indianapolis, beat my most disappointing team this season beat them they beat them no no excuses go out sunday night football the biggest game of their season biggest game of all their careers every single player on the team go out and beat the chargers um Derek carr broke his foot the last time the raiders went to the playoffs i think it was either his rookie year or his second year broke his leg it was his leg it was his leg yeah it was oh bad. yeah it was, his it was leg. a very bad injury right and that was right when Carr was really taking off out there in oakland mm-hmm. coliseum was popping this team has zero business being in the playoffs <laughs> I think more less business than the the Steelers, honestly. Like I really do, and the fact that they were able to overcome the amount of adversity they've gone through this year to get a chance to win a Super Bowl this year, I could not have seen that coming with Gruden and Rugs. If the Oakland, <laughs> I keep saying Oakland, if the uh, Las Vegas Raiders do not do not re-sign Derek Carr. They will be signing their death certificate as a franchise. I don't care if he's not the most talented quarterback in the NFL. I don't care that he's not, you know, maybe he's maybe not top 10. He is the heart and soul of that franchise. The way that he leads that team and the guys respond to him is so much more valuable than what you can get out of paying some dude $50 million. If they do not re-sign him and bring him back next year, I'm telling you right now, Matt, they will be cursed. They will not be back. And without Derek Carr, they're nothing. And I think the Raiders are by far the most surprising team in the league this year. 
Yeah, I mean, preseason, I definitely didn't pick the Raiders, especially in this division, to do very much, right? I think we both agreed the Chargers and the Chiefs were far superior. They're playing the AFC. It's a hard conference. Yeah. Um, you looked at the roster and you just didn't see anyone really coming out and, you know, having the their best career season. And then you have all the adversary, adversity. You know, you have both your cornerbacks getting DUIs. You got your running back in a DUI. You got your star first-round wide receiver who's starting to kind of find his way in the NFL. You know, have a terrible accident and probably spending years in prison. That just doesn't sound like a team that makes the playoffs. And I think you said it best, Derek Carr being the heart and soul of that team is probably the reason why. Um, I, I don't know this coach that has taken over in Vegas. I don't really like him that much, especially in his press, press conferences. But Carr's, Carr's the image. Carr's the guy that holds his team together, the glue of that locker room. And also, I think it's interesting to talk about Carr really hasn't had a big-time wide receiver weapon since he had Amari Cooper. Right, he's got Darren Waller and he's got Hunter Renfro. Right, that's not a number one wide receiver. Right, you know, even even Jimmy G needs Debo. Kittle is amplified by Debo. I'm hoping this off season they can finally get Carr a, a wide receiver. You got to sign somebody, right? We talked about Devontae Adams and these things, but for Carr to be able to do this this season without a number one wide receiver, Waller has been a shell of himself. He's basically relied on. He's been injured all year too. Yeah. Yeah, but he's relied on Edwards and Hunter Renfro. <laughs> like, what an incredible it's story! It's very it's impressive. impressive. And this defense, they play hard. There again, there's nobody on the defense either that I'm like, oh my god, they're an all pro. Crosby. Crosby's good. He's yeah. good. But he's not, you know, Miles Garrett. So this this team shows you what a team can do, especially when they come together and they fight through adversity. And you're right, Derek Carr is absolutely the reason they are in the postseason. 100%. Um, the wrap it up for me, you said your most memorable moment was Staley just being an asshole. For me, I have to take it back all the way to the beginning of the season in Detroit. The Baltimore Ravens are somehow still winning football games. Lamar's on his MVP <laughs> candidacy, and uh, they rely on Justin Tucker to break an NFL record to walk off a game winner in Detroit. Tucker hits a 66-yard field goal off the center of the goalpost, goes over, walks off, breaks an NFL record. The most legendary walk-off I've seen in a long time. Most legendary game winner of the season, in my opinion. And to top it off, an NFL record. My most memorable moment from 2021 that I will remember for a long time is Tucker in Detroit breaking the hearts of Dan Campbell. I'm pretty sure that's the day he cried. Well, everyone, thank you so much for enjoying this NFL season with us. It's not over. We're back. We're going to be back Thursday with our uh, NFL playoff preview. We're going to make our next pitcher bet against the spread. And I think we're even going to sprinkle a little NBA talk. It's time to talk LeBron. So we'll be talking basketball and NFL playoffs on the next pitcher bet pod. And of course, follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at pitcher bet pod episodes every Tuesday, Thursday, like subscribe review to the podcast. We appreciate you all. Peace out.